I believe that this is the second to last in our series in the book of Acts. There's a lot of the book left, uh, but um, not a lot of time left. So uh, with the couple of weeks that I'll be gone and then starting our new study, and the fact that most of the rest of the book of Acts is rarely preached on because it is mostly just a travel log and a, uh, a recounting of Paul's troubles and his arrest and imprisonment uh, that interestingly does parallel uh, that of Christ. Um, there, not many people have found a whole lot of sermons in there, and I'm not going to be uh, the exception to try to do that. More than you need to know. But now we are in Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 17. This is part of the travel log of the Apostle Paul. He has been traveling. And uh, there's one story. I'm just going to tell you now because I, I, I had to skip it because of time. But my favorite, one of my very favorite Bible stories comes just before this passage. It's the story of Eutychus. Anyone here know Eutychus? Yeah. Eutychus was, uh, Paul was preaching in an upper room. And in case you ever become overly concerned with the length of a sermon here, Paul started during the day and was preaching past midnight. Eutychus was sitting, it was in an upper room, he was sitting in the window, fell out <laughs> because he fell asleep, and died. Still laughing? No. Um, <laughs> but, but Paul went down raised him from the dead, and he was alive, and the people rejoiced. And then Paul went on preaching till morning. <laughs> now, it took hours for someone to fall asleep during Paul's sermon. It takes about three minutes here. <laughs> but I do not have the power to raise you from the dead, so be very careful uh, as you maybe slip away uh, during the service today. <sighs> I got to preach Eutychus. <laughs> now, our passage. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of thy Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. 
I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can be build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Paul here and Luke in telling the story shows us how important it is to have relationships in which we grow together to know Jesus Christ. Paul took this call very seriously. When he says, I am innocent of the blood of all of you, what he's referring to is Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33, God gives a message to Ezekiel saying, um, if I give the messenger the message and the messenger gives the message to the people and they do not heed the message, I blame the people. If I give the the message to the messenger and the messenger fails to tell the people, I blame the messenger. Paul took very seriously the call to share Jesus Christ, to share the gospel with the people he met. And he knew that that was a call on his life and that if he did not, he would be guilty of their ignorance. Do we have a similar sense of call to those with whom we interact Do we have a similar sense of the importance of telling people the good news of Jesus Christ, the the news of God's love and faithfulness, but also the news of God's judgment? Paul worked very hard at this. It says, night and day he preached. It says he preached in public and house to house. And I don't want to stretch this too far, but I think, it's, I think it's appropriate to look at that and say he preached in church and in smaller groups. He preached in public where all were gathered and he had the op- took the opportunity to go into people's homes and speak with them one-on-one. And... In so doing, he modeled for us how we gather together in worship and we we grow together in worship, but we also need those times when we are together with just a few people to really understand each other, to grow uh, with each other. Uh, One of my friends from seminary uh, is in the hospital right now, and his wife posted on Facebook yesterday uh, this little story. She said, this morning a very lovely family came to my door, mom, dad, little boy at the door, and I assume daughter and grandma out on the sidewalk. They were dressed very well, suits and skirts. Mom started her script with, we're hoping to bring a positive message to this neighborhood. There's so many bad things happening in the world right now, and people wonder why. Why? 
Have you ever wondered why? I replied with my somewhat standard answers to such folks at the door, why yes, I'm a Presbyterian, this close to getting my Masters of Divinity, and we Presbyterians love such questions. She continued with her script, then I'm sure you are very familiar with the Bible. Why yes, in fact, tomorrow I'm starting a class with some young ladies and we're going to be studying it, highlighting it, and everything. And mom pulls out her iPad, the mom on the porch. I'd like to read this verse to you. Dad tugs a pamphlet from his messenger bag. I'm so sorry, I say. My husband is in the hospital and I have a lot to do today. I'm a Presbyterian and plan to stay Presbyterian, also bringing positive messages to the world. Mom says, well, we're really not trying to change anyone. And my friend's wife, as she reports it, said, well, I need to go. Not sure the attitude underlying that I need to go. But what she wrote then following was, wouldn't a better response have been, oh, your husband's in the hospital, can we pray for you? Oh, your husband's in the hospital. I see that your sidewalk isn't up to code. Could we send some of our scout troop over and, and fix that for you? Oh, is there anything you need? Could we get you a gift card or, or bring you coffee or anything? But no, they kept to the script. They wanted to keep going to get through, to make their check mark that yes, indeed, they did whatever they were supposed to do at this home. That is not faithful evangelism. Faithful evangelism is, as Paul did, going into people's homes, getting to know people, getting to understand people, meeting their needs, working together with them, praying with them, growing together, going to God's word together. Not one having all the answers, but together learning and growing. That is what we are called to do. One sermon I listened to on this passage was, uh, reminded me of a book that I um, was familiarized with in uh, my studies at Pittsburgh, and um, it's the book Spiritual Friendship by Elred of Raveau. You've read it, right? <laughs> I mean, most of you have read most of the 12th century writings from the, the various monks, and now I, had, I was, <laughs> did you notice I said I was familiarized with it? I didn't say I read it. Uh, <laughs> But in this book, Elred of Raveau, a monk, speaks about the value of spiritual friendship, about the value of having people in your life that share your commitment to Christ and share a dedication to you and you to them. And when I was worshiping up here and seeing her worship down here, I remembered those days in seminary we worshiped side by side when we encouraged each other, when we went to the Word together, when we prayed together. Uh, glorious friendship. It's so good to have you here. And yet, as wonderful and glorious as those friendships are, I'm not sure we're pursuing them very well today. It is so easy to call fellowship coffee and a donut, talking about the Eggles. <laughs> but spiritual fellowship, spiritual friendship is so much deeper than that. 
And I'm hoping and praying that we as a church, I know that there's some of it out there, but that we as a church can cultivate this and make it deeper, make it stronger, really have people that we know know us and that we know and as one person who was very, uh, very much enjoyed our small group ministry remembers, when you're in a group like that, he said, you know that you have people you can call at two o'clock in the morning for help, whatever that help might be. That's the kind of relationship that I'm hoping we can cultivate here, and not just for helping each other, but for helping each other to grow in our walk with Christ, for helping each other when we're struggling with, with one thing or another, with our, with our faith being challenged, with, with a, a, a trial in life, and not just to sit there and be with a person, which is wonderfully valuable, don't get me wrong, but to bring God into it to remind each other of God's faithfulness, to remind each other of God's truth, to know that not only can I call this person at two o'clock in the morning, but that I can trust that that person will have me in their prayers, that person will encourage me, and probably not at two o'clock in the morning, but sometimes that person will challenge me. That person will say, you know, your thought processes right now are not faithful to God's truth. And Paul makes a big deal of that uh, earlier in this passage, speaking about those who will come in and tell lies to the people. He said, you, you leaders need to make sure that you uphold the truth. Keep the truth, the truth. Don't let people be telling lies. And today in our culture, we've almost gotten, uh, we've almost lost the concept of a lie. People can come up with whatever they want you to think is true, and they'll tell you it. And you might not think it's true, but we don't think it's a lie for them because they probably believe it in their heart, and that's good enough for me. But it's not good enough. God's truth is God's truth. There's a great curriculum by um, Stanley called Twisting the Truth, and it's a little dated now, but it's sort of cute at the beginning of each episode. Uh, they there's a, a little control room, and it's the control room of, of a group of demons, and their job is to help the, the Christians um, misunderstand God's truth or just twist it enough to get them off track and not even realize it. Folks, that's a cute little vignette that's at the beginning of each of these videos, but it represents something very real. It represents something that I don't think we're I don't think we're carrying the armor to defend ourselves against because we say anything is true and we hear people say things in the church and about the church, about God, and they're so off that we don't feel comfortable saying something because one of the main rules in our culture is let people believe whatever they want to believe and to say that anyone's wrong is the height of arrogance. I don't want to cultivate a group of arrogant Christians here. But I hope that together we can cultivate a group of Christians who know the truth and who care enough not to correct arrogantly, but to guide and to correct humbly. Paul says that his ministry was in verse 19, 
serving the Lord with great humility and with tears. It's not that telling someone's wrong is always arrogant, and it's not that leaving someone in their error is always kind. And I hope that we not only cultivate um, a willingness to maybe challenge someone, but maybe even more importantly, a willingness to be challenged, a willingness to have someone speak into our life and say, no, or be careful, or look at this in God's word. Measure yourself by God's word, not by what you think it might say if it said what you wanted it to say. God's word is always challenging. There is no one who, um, by their natural inclinations, is totally in line with what God has to say. We all need to be challenged, and we all need to be shaped by God's word. Let it happen, and let others into your life who will help you make it happen. This is a beautiful picture that Luke paints. When Paul gathers together with these people that he has taught and led for three years in Ephesus and then um, through correspondence after that, but they find out but they won't see him again, and it's painful. And yet, the legacy lives on as he has trained them to train each other. He has trained them in the truth so that they can guide each other in the truth. Let us cultivate that same kind of relationship here at Ridley Park Presbyterian Church. For we need each other. And we need each other to help us walk faithfully with our God. Let us pray together. Lord God, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we confess that we believe the lies that we can do it on our, on our own. We can do it, I can do it myself. The independent mindset that characterizes our culture is antithetical to the way you created us. You created us for relationship. You created us to need each other. And right now, in this place, I pray that you would change our hearts, point out those ways in which we are being stubborn, point out those ways in which we are isolating ourselves from others, and by your Holy Spirit, work in us to remold us into people who need people. People who need people who need you. Lord, I pray for those among us who are struggling. Lord, I lift up Bud Jones to you and pray that he will be found and Liz as she waits for four days now 
for her husband to be returned. I pray that you will give her peace and strength. And Lord, we just we feel so hopeless in this situation. We just pray that you, who knows where he is, will bring him home. We pray for those who are sick, who are struggling, and we pray for your Holy Spirit's presence and strength to be with them. We pray for those who are lonely. We pray that you would bring them into fellowship, a fellowship that is not just on the surface, but a deep fellowship that will encourage their hearts. Lord, I thank you for the Habitat build yesterday, and I thank you for everyone who made that happen. What a joy it is to gather together and to serve you in a way that is visible and in a way that in a few months will bless some family immeasurably. We pray for our concert on Friday, not just that it be well attended and not just that uh, we enjoy music, but that hearts and lives would be changed, that your message through song would touch those who are here. I pray for the youth group as they start up again this fall that, um, that you will draw young people to this place and to this fellowship that they could encourage each other. I pray, Lord, for this church. Strengthen us. And where we are weak, shine your light. Help us to grow. Help us to be open to your Holy Spirit's leading, to your Holy Spirit's guidance, trusting your Holy Spirit's strengthening power to accomplish whatever it is that you're calling us to do and whoever it is that you're calling us to be. Lord, we lift up these prayers confidently because we pray in your Holy Spirit by the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.